On half time, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Nathan Burns, same way, same result. This time it counts. Nathan Burns, the first hat trick in a Phoenix shirt. Yeah, our our performance was uh, was was poor, uh, so no excuses. Oh, I'm sure that will come up in conversation. Nathan Burns, third goal. Wellington's 5-1 win over Melbourne City. John Van Skip at the end. Poor. No excuses. Carlos Alberto Diego, 4diegos.com, at 4diegos on Twitter. And, of course, tonight and every Wednesday night, 11 till 12, the 4diegos back in action. Carlos, good afternoon. How are you there, Half? Good to be here. Nice to have you, mate. Nice to have you. Yes. What did you make of uh, that performance from uh, the City? Let's hit it right between the eyes early, Carlos. You know, yeah, I've got a spring in my pants. No, no. No spring there. Can we have uh, that? What's uh, the anti-spring? I'm not sure. Uh, actually, I do know, but I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> I'm not going to mention it on radio because I made a mistake once before, and he'll, he's got the record button ready, he's, he's Pedro, on the panel. Yeah, the yeah. So I'm thinking it, but I'm not going to say it. Right, okay. Uh, but it's certainly not a spring in my pants. And, uh, and I, the only reason, because I don't, I don't actually uh, support Melbourne City. I don't support any A-League club. You I just love the game. game. I support the game. The game's a winner for me. The game's always okay. the winner. Uh, but for me, uh, victory... Not, not we nowhere near its potential uh, as far as what it's promising the marketplace. City, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, Melbourne City. Don't be doing that. The victory. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I probably, yeah, but uh, for me, not having a strong Melbourne City suddenly starts affecting the derbies. I, I think it affects the league. Yeah, and, and it affects the league too because you want two strong Melbourne sides, and uh, and the fact that they're underperforming, they have done for a long time now. Uh, I think uh, it, you know it's disappointing for me, and I, and and that's just a, I'm not even a supporter of Melbourne City. Uh, if they're not ripping each other apart in that club in the, in those change rooms right now mm. to try and find out who will play for that club and who will be resilient enough to firstly score some goals, and then Helpful. if you concede, you're not going to fall apart because that's a, that's the picture we're getting at the moment. And John Van Skip, I don't think he, I don't think there's any other description that he can use. He's used all the words. He's used all the uh, all the uh, post match, uh, post mortem, the, the comments you can ever have in the post match. Uh, I feel really sorry for the Melbourne City fans, the ones who've uh, crossed over from Melbourne Heart days to Melbourne City, hoping that they, there would be another sort of perspective to the club that might come through the new owners and the money that's coming to the club. Yep. Um, they've got the. I think the. Um, I think they're ranked uh, the, the worst defensive team ever by way of the ever. data Yeah, in, in the A-League, uh, which is really sad because the New Zealand Knights uh, from early years of the A-League, uh, the Diego's coined them the pub team. Ooh. And they had a better defensive record than Melbourne City at the moment. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the fans' sake that players and coaches and administrators are ripping each other apart, finding... Trying to trying to find the, the 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 group of players and what they need to do to be able to at least be resilient in games and then go on to win games. Mm. That that's that's the secret here. They just keep on letting people down. And uh, and for me, from a football A League lover perspective, uh, it's letting the league down and certainly letting the fans down. Once they do fracture um, in game, it does seem that there's a capitula- capitulation, which 
you would think with uh, the experience they've got out there on the park, it doesn't seem to be very cohesive at the minute, by the way, mm. uh, but the experience they've got out there on the park and the expertise they've got off the field, you would imagine that wouldn't be happening. But you go through their, their defensive record, and you were talking about uh, their numbers say they're the worst since the New Zealand Knights, or even worse than them. Melbourne, mm. they've let through 19 goals this year. They've scored 12. They've let through 19, which is the most by any team by a margin, by three. Newcastle, who are sitting at the bottom of the table, we know have, have stunk it up this year. Uh, and they've left through 16. Once they fracture, mm. they capitulate. That, that's the most disappointing thing, half. They uh, and that's, you know, I think as a, as a, I, I never played professionally in any sport, but you have uh, played professionally. Uh, would would the accusation that you're soft, that you have no heart, uh, it, would that be the, the probably the worst thing that could be said about you? Oh yeah, pretty close. Oh yeah. Or if you're a coward. Well, this is this has been said about this group of players for a long time now, and we keep on thinking with a, a team that's got a Damien Duff in there that's done so much in the game, mm. and other players who we've seen in and in other guises who've done so much in the game. I'm talking about the Mass Madockers, the Paddy Kiznorbos, and all these sort of guys. Yeah, uh, you'd think that there would be a reaction at some stage. Or there'll be a point in the game where first 20 minutes against uh, New Zealand, uh, the Wellington on the weekend, they were very good and actually created a lot of chance. They put a couple away. could have been a totally different case. But the minute uh, Wellington came back and scored a goal out of nothing, they fell apart. Mm. Now, don't you think at that point that the pride or the, you know, uh, you as a sports person, a professional sports person who's been accused time and time again that you're soft, that you have no resilience, that you crumble, that you will stand up. Even if you get sent off starting a fight or something, yep. you do something to show everyone that you're not what everyone's accusing you of. Not going to cop it. Absolutely. And, uh, and unfortunately, with this squad of players, it, it, except for that you know, seven or eight game stint when John Van Skip came back after John Aloisi was sacked last season, and they, I think they won six out of seven, um, where they got a roll on a bit of momentum. Prior to that, they hadn't won in 17. So this is not just this season. This has been there for a while now. Mm. And I say, and this is the thing, as professional sports people, you've got to stand up. And even if you don't have the talent, even if you do, which I believe they do have the talent, but even if you don't have the talent, you, do so, you try and do something about it and turn things around. Uh, well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you today. Looking forward to you coming in. Uh, on their list, you know, spoken about their stars, but throughout the depth of their list, have they got the talent? To be capable, to, to do what they're doing. Because we've all talked about, and I spoke to Ned Zellich about this yesterday, about the City Group coming in and taking over uh, and the expectations from fans that all of a sudden the money's going to come in and it's going to be awash with cash and just doing everything we can and all of a sudden we'll go through the roof with our performance. He, he highlighted, and it was a really valid point, and sometimes I think we overlook it at times when discussing City because of the injection that they could have financially, is that it's a capped system. Mm. We're a salary-capped league. So there's not only so much they can do from a player point of view, but there's been a lot of players come through, come and go from Melbourne City of recent times. Do they have, have they picked the right players and are they good enough, Carlos? Well, I think there's two things to look at here. They haven't shown that they're good enough. That's for sure, in their performances. Yep. You can't deny that. You can't run away from that. But are they good enough? Uh, the way I, I would judge that is if you pull the David Williams and you put him into a um, Melbourne victory or you put him into a Brisbane rule when they were running around really well, how would he go there? I think he'd go quite well. So is it, is it the environment? Is it the, is it the coaching? Is it the, that, that group of players? I believe there's, no, there's, a, there's a real dearth of leadership in that, I mean, how much is that club 
And as much as people, you know, might like to hate him as a footballer, but how much does that team need a Kevin Musket when he was playing? Oh, yeah. How much do they need someone like that to really drag those players kicking and screaming to wins or to at least save the game? Who is that? Uh, who, who should that be? Is that is that Cosnormo's job? Is he that type of character? Well, I mean... Uh, He's the captain. There's a couple of different ways you can lead. You can actually be a bloke who leads by example, and I think Paddy prefers that. I don't know if he, I don't know Paddy all that well, and uh, and you, but you watch him during the games. He doesn't seem to be the yeller and screamer or the or the demander of things. He just, he, I think he he leads by example. Uh, that's that's his way of leading. Mm. But we certainly don't have other players who, and it's how they respond in, in moments. And uh, I thought they turned the corner a little bit against Brisbane uh, when they did get their only win this season, when, uh, when I think they were 2-0 up and Brisbane came back into the game. It was 2-1, and uh, John Van Skip made a really good change, put on Marino, and suddenly they came back uh, through attacking football rather than just parking the bus and panicking. Yep. They actually came back and scored the goal, and I thought they had, they had actually shown that, uh, that they don't have to start panicking and falling apart if uh, there's a little bit of pressure pressure put on but then you know the week after that that it just went back to the old you know the old uh ways and um good question about whether the players are good enough you know it's so easy for us to say that they're not good enough mm. but you know i think that they are a lot of those players are good enough if you put them in an environment that's a winning environment or a confident environment so maybe that maybe there's a leadership uh uh sort of vacuum in that in in, in that team and when i say a leadership that some a, a group of the players will stand up when the pressure is applied to do something about it and not do what seemingly they've been doing for two years now. Uh, it might be a good time. You mentioned the Brisbane Roar when they um, beat them for their only win of the season. Good timing this week, perhaps. If they're going to turn it around, they've got Brisbane Roar at Amy Park on Sunday at 5pm. We'll be there covering the game live. I wonder how many people will be there. Uh, but it might be just enough to... I don't know why this would be the catalyst after what's happened so far, but maybe this... Positive memory, Carlos, might help them get some sort of momentum this week. John's in Mooney Ponds, wants to talk about the city. G'day, John. Yeah, hi, guys. How are we? Good. Good, mate. Yeah, it's a, look, it's a good uh, discussion, I think, to have and, and to dissect the whole uh, Melbourne City fiasco at the moment. I just, look, I personally think it, it, it all starts... It's a, it's a club that is going for a transition, and I, unfortunately, it's, it's, that is showing on the field. Um what I found interesting in the last few weeks that Aaron Moy and Eric Parblu have come out during the week after the games and uh, spoke quite strongly about not, you know, not being soft and not being able to just give up once we go behind. I find, you know, they're the two fresh, fresh boys. But, you know, he's saying whether they're good enough or not, if you, you know, they've made few signings, but if you look at the... the the, the main players, apart from Aaron Moy and Eric Parkley, it's pretty much from same team from last year. I'm not sure whether many of those guys would get in the first four, like the, the teams that are in the top four. I mean, you got Gigantic and Williams who are, you know, who are presented with uh, chances, but they seem never to put them away and the back line is struggling. But I just think it's, 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 it's a... It's, it's a culture that they've created over three or four years and, and it's it's going to take something drastic to change. And, you know, there's no easy games anymore. You know, people saying, oh, Brosh is out. But, you know, they've just gone through a turmoil as well. And I think every, every coach and every team management is, is under pressure. There's only 10 teams. So, you know, there's, there's no such thing in an easy game. And, um, yeah, interesting and exciting 
Time yeah, John, I'm, I'm convinced that the Citigroup, the owners, won't sack people straight away. I, I, I think they've shown that when they first uh, took over at Manchester City. They allowed, I think it was Mark Hughes at the time, uh, to you know, go through, the, go through you know, uh, give him enough time to be able to show whether he's the right man for the job. And you know, I, I really believe that the Citigroup aren't panicking. They won't panic... This is a long-term investment investment for them, so they'll see where this all pans out this season. I believe. I don't believe they're going to be. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't speak to anyone there about it, but uh, but I don't think you John. Should, I, I think John Van Skip uh, is a bloke whose job's safe for the rest of this season. I think he's earned that really from when he took over last season. The fact that they uh, extended his contract for this season, uh, I think. You know, they talk about the weight of expectation uh, that, that that's on the, on the shoulders of the players since the owners come in. But really, you know, you've got to back yourself as a player, don't you, at that level? I mean, you know, you're a professional footballer who aspires to win, aspires to have a career in this over a long period of time. You know, how long do you let the weight of expectation uh, affect your game? And, uh, and, does, and does that weight of expectation mean that, that you fall apart and crumble when there's a bit of pressure as a group? Uh, they're the questions that are probably being asked now. But I don't think there'll be any... I mean, the, the squad's a squad at the moment. I mean, Josh Kennedy will be coming in yep. in January, and that'll improve the squad as long as Josh is fit and healthy and he's not, you know, got issues with his back. And Robert Corrin's due any any day. That, that might make a hell of a difference. But I'd be worried if two players made such a big difference uh, from the performances where they, where they crumble to performances where they win. Uh, you know... They had David Veer in the squad, for heaven's sake. They've got Damien Duff in the squad. You can't get two more credentialed players than that. And they still, at times, look like that they'll fall apart at the, at the first sign of any pressure. And more calls after the break. Uh, thanks, John, for your call. David Veer, as you mentioned, he's just been told by the R&D department. It's unlike the return to Melbourne City. Oh, he's probably seen the record. Surprise, surprise. Uh, at all this season. Scheduling issues and the fact the A-League has a break in January due to the Asian Cup have uh, impacted here on his return. Uh, we are led to believe. More calls, plenty more to come with uh, Carlos Alberto Diego this hour. Join us, 9.429, 11.16. 25 past one, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. You can catch the boys together tonight, the Four Diegos, from 11pm till midnight every Wednesday night on SCN. Of course, uh, track them down on Twitter at Four Diegos or the web, fourdiegos.com. No, not just dot com. No, no, just dot com. Yeah, we're we're global. Global <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, I was you just are. thinking that uh, Warren, uh, one of our out, more outrageous Diego's tonight, is either going to divorce <laughs> Melbourne City because he's an openly Melbourne City supporter. Right. Uh, he's either going to divorce him tonight or he's going to defend him. And I'm looking what forward think, to the. What do you think? Oh, I've got be? no idea. He's uh, unpredictable. Unpredictable, Very, Warren. Very complex character, Warren. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just tune in at 11, we'll find out. I'm just going through their numbers, Melbourne City, as in a previous life as Melbourne Heart. It's effectively the same crew, isn't it? We've changed the ownership model. We've got different number plates, all that sort of stuff, <laughs> but we're the same people, effectively. Their first year, oh, so this is since 2010 and 11. Eighth in that year, eight wins, 11 draws, eight losses. 11-12, uh, sixth in the, on the table, nine wins, 10 yep. draws, eight losses. The 12th, 12th, 13th, a couple of years ago, ninth, eight wins, three draws, 16 losses. And 13, 14, uh, last year's rendition, they were bottom with six wins, eight draws, and 13 yep. losses. The, fir- the first two not years. Going well. yeah, we had a lot of losses, Carl. Oh, where the first couple of years? Fir- the you're... first two years, it was looking quite good for a startup club. Uh, you know, it was an honourable first year and made the finals in the second year. And I think that was all, always part of the plan. Yep. Where it started to really worry people is where suddenly in that third year, uh, they sort of didn't match 
anywhere near their second year where they made the finals. And then they finished last, last season. And then again, with the changeover of ownerships. And I've got to say, that I, was, I was a little bit critical of Melbourne City. They didn't sort of brag a little bit more about what, what had happened to them after the off-season. But maybe, maybe staying under the, trying to stay under the radar uh, probably you know, has, has stopped them from copying too much right now, too much scrutiny. But I'd rather a club just, you know, maybe, maybe they need to be a club that just you know, really start beating their own chests a little bit more and start... Well, how can you beat it? Uh, you, you can't now. I know you can't right now. But uh, when something great happens to you, you know, if a Villa joins you or you get taken over by a Man City and suddenly, you know, there's a, a whole stack of opportunities, you should be beating your chest a bit more. But that means you've got to follow through with what you're saying. Yep. Uh, it's almost a, a little bit of a fear of doing all that because you may not follow through. And if you're in a professional footballing or sporting environment like that, you have to be able to say, whether you do it quietly, maybe you put a lid on it, or maybe you say it a little bit louder, you've got to follow through with what you're thinking or what you're saying. I, I go back to my statement at the, the start of the um, start of the conversation this afternoon. Is that I imagine how good it could be the A League could be if you had two really powerful Melbourne teams, really prominent Melbourne teams. It'd be so it, oh, clearly for Victorian football and soccer it would be great, and for derbies it would be great. But I think it would lift the mood of the whole league if you had two really strong, powerful Melbourne teams. Which you're seeing in Sydney, by the way, at the moment, with the derbies there. They're already talking about the th- there's three matchups between Sydney and West Sydney every year, and they're talking about one of the games being played at the Olympic Stadium and getting 80,000 people at one of the derbies you know, next year and with, the, with both clubs sort of uh, splitting the proceeds. Uh, that could easily be matched. Mm. With what you know, with the the potential that's in Melbourne, we've seen it in bits and pieces. Um, but you know, at the moment, Melbourne City uh, are just dragging their feet a bit. But I don't. This is. I, I believe they'll get it right. I mean, the, the owners of Melbourne City, uh, the same owners of Man City, they had to go through a little bit of pain and a bit of embarrassment early on there. And but now they they've got a club that's always going to be vying for the English Premier League and go as far as they can in the Champions League. This is what's going to happen to Melbourne City. Uh, you know, 12, 24 months down the track, you, this will be a whole new different place. Uh, only players who will be, you know, who will earn their spots through performance and, you know, through wearing that shirt with a bit of pride um, will be at that club. And, uh, and, and I think that that's what... And I think that they'll wait for that to sort of evolve in time, I don't think they're going to make any knee-jerk reactions. Mm. So there might be a bit more pain, but this this group of players will have every opportunity to try and turn things around. But they've had that for a while now. I think people are getting a bit sick of it. Uh, Stephen Wanty South says on the t- on the SMS, "Where's City on the table currently?" Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. I don't know what that is meant to suggest. The, the answer to the question is they're seventh That's right. on the table at the moment. They've got one win out of eight, and they've lost four games. They've coughed up nineteen goals. If if that's a suggestion that you know they're going okay. Then I'm concerned as as a sports fan for Steve's love for, <laughs> for City. Well, if, it, if it's meant to take the Mickey out of them, then fair fair darts to you. Well, they're only goal difference out of the finals, out of the top six. So you know, I mean, it's not impossible for them to make the it's finals pre- this year. It's an amazing ladder when you look at it, isn't it? <laughs> the breakaway from from fifth to sixth, the, the first five to the bottom five in the A League is boarding on ridiculous. I'm considering one of those teams is the West Indian Wanderers with the champion of, That's right. of the Asian League, Asian whole competition. And Brisbane, the reigning champions. And Brisbane, the reigning champions. Well, they're a bit of a basket case. We know there's yeah. a struggle with Newcastle having and Central Coast. In fact, when you think about that, Carlos, it's a pretty flimsy league just at the minute. Yes, yeah, but a couple of wins by City 
you know, I mean, they've got Brisbane at home this week. I think they've got a couple of home games, maybe three home games before their break yeah, for the championship. Yeah. So they've got a chance to go into the break, uh, you know, actually so changing people's minds. You know, I mean, you know, uh, but who would, who would tip them at the moment? I mean, I, you just can't tip them. Well, Brisbane Raw this week, you've you got to tip one of them. No, no. Well, you don't yeah. have to, I suppose. You can go to the draw. No, you can go to the draw. <laughs> That's uh, the but, you know, I, 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 you, just, you just can't tip them. You know that the quality's there. They've shown it in patches. But, you know, John Van Skip, I mean, he keeps on talking about the fact that the game is 90 minutes. Uh, I'm getting a bit of uh, grief on the SMS from people saying, you know, the, it's ridiculous me saying it's not his fault. Uh, but I just think, you know, when you drill down deeply... How are the players responding at key moments on the field? They would have been talking about this. They would have been training for it. You know, you can't, you just can't legislate for a player who's just not going to respond in, the per, in a positive way when under pressure on the football field. Mm. And the coach just can't, you know, you can't, in, there's no interchange in, 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 in football soccer where you can just drag a player off and bring someone else on. You've just got the subs uh, on match day. And it must be it must be really hugely frustrating for someone like Van Skip. Now, if he had come back last season and replaced John uh, Aloisi and not done well, I would have said it's time for him to go. But he got six out of seven, six wins out of seven, I believe, or something around those figures. Mm. Uh, and so I believe right now he's the right man, but the players are letting him down. All right. As Steve's come back. That's my point. Playing bad, just out of the top six, things will get better. Steve, if you're happy with what's going on. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Where are we? Nick's in Hillside. G'day, Nick. Boys, how are you? Good night. Just want to make a couple of points. Uh, the first point, Carlos, you keep talking about one or two plays not going to make a difference. A good example of that is you look at Liverpool at the moment. One player's gone, eight players have replaced him, and you look at where Liverpool is. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're talking about... Um, uh, sorry, who are we talking about again? Um, yeah, um, Luis Suarez. Suarez. Talking about Luis Suarez, absolutely, Nick. You're spot on there. But geez, how many examples of that is there? And would Liverpool have done as well as they had last year if Luis Suarez was there again? You just can't tell. I mean, Luis was clearly the best player in the world last year, and he. And when you got a forward, he's the best player in the world. You're just going to drag your players uh, to uh, you know fantastic performances and. Uh, I just don't know whether a Corrin or a Josh Kennedy is going to have that effect on Melbourne City, to be truthful with you, Nick. Not too many Luis Suarez yeah. going around at the minute, Nick. But stay on the line. Thanks for your call. I get your point. Uh, $100 voucher to Ribera's Restaurant. You will love it. Johnny Ribera is the king of seafood in Port Melbourne or North Melbourne. You can go and visit Johnny and say good day uh, for us. Let's get to Rennie in Narriwarra North before the break. G'day, Rennie. Good day, uh, Daniel. How are you, Carlos? How are you, mate? Um, have you... Have you studied their back line. Uh, in Melbourne what, City's? The Melbourne City's back line. They've got two full-backs that mm. aren't full-backs, yep. first of all. They've got two centre-halves that, together, they're quite... They're, they're okay, but when they play together, mm. they they struggle because one's not manning up and the other one's trying to play as a sweeper. And then that, that's where they... That's why they're getting caught across the back all the time. Now, young Ramsey... He's been sacrificed down there at uh, left back. He 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 should not be playing left back. They they of all the people that they've gone and and got, they didn't go and try to buy two straight out fullbacks, and that's where they're struggling because all their goals are coming straight up the flanks. Well, Rennie, the um, yeah, I come from a bit of different uh, different philosophy with defending. Uh, 
you know, if, you can, if there's individual errors, and I know that Villat uh, made an individual error the week before where he a pass back to Yanko and he just walked in and just scored a goal. I mean, that's just a, something out of nothing. And, you know, the, the focus is on that one error. But I think uh, with the sort of defending that we're seeing at times where players are all over the shop, I think it's a, it's a team... It's a collective. I keep on talking about a collective when we're defending. Yeah, when team the teams, defense. Absolutely. And I've noticed that Eric Pardlew has been substituted a bit lately, and that might be part of the problem where you're not shielding the back four the way you should be. And you know, I don't know the intricacies of what his role is other than the fact he's a, generally a defensive midfielder that creates from, from deep. So, um, But John Van Skip replacing him mustn't be happy with him because I don't think he's injured. So I think the defending starts at least from midfield back and it's in a lot of cases from, from the front line back. So collectively, they haven't got it right. Team defence, that's the modern world of football. It doesn't matter what code you're playing. Rennie, thanks for your call, though. Two bottles of wine, one red, one white. Thanks to AR Property Investments, the Betfair 2014-15 Miller's Guide as well, and SEN's Inside Footy Magazine. You will love it. Get your details back shortly with Carlos. It's Mile Yedinak to strike in! So the chance for the equaliser will fall for the Crystal Palace captain. It is Mille Yedinak. And it's 1-1. Just keeps doing it, just keeps performing, does Mille Yedinak as the AFC International Player of the Year at the awards the other night. Tony Popovich, Coach of the Year, which was great as well. Carlos, uh, how good's this man? It's, it's fantastic the way he is it's almost a slow burn. I think he's about 29 now, and, uh, and he started actually his football quite late. Uh, he, he was at Central Coast Mariners. It took him a while to really cement himself there, but then he just went from strength to strength, went straight from Central Coast to Turkey, uh, really started impressing a few people there, then went over to Crystal Palace, and he joined them in the championship, and after a, a short time, he, he was made captain there. And uh, and he's just he's just one of those players who fits a club beautifully. He's captain in the English Premier League, gets better and better. He scored five goals already this season, and uh, and his his manager came out just the other day and and said that he expects him to get into double figures. And it's just not all penalties he's scoring. He scored a fantastic free kick against Liverpool, as the audio showed us there, yes. and also uh, he scored one or two from set pieces too. So uh, the guy is clearly our most high high profile player playing anywhere in the world at the moment, and he's winning awards too. And not only that, in Europe, there's a lot of these websites that have, they're like, like a champion data type website that oh, actually yep, rank yep. players throughout Europe. And I read something just the other, the other day that uh, two of the more well-regarded websites that, that, that do these data rankings actually rank him in the top three or four players in Europe, across Europe. So, uh, sure. yeah, so th- that's all the, all the different elements he brings to the game. It's just not all just goals or tackles. It's the whole, the whole package. So he's well respected and, and well known over there at the moment, but it got me thinking. Just, as much as Cristiano and Lionel. Well, it's funny, you know. Suddenly, well, apparently he's in the top five in some of these websites, so he's got to be up there with these guys if they're performing too. I think Cristiano will be clearly number one at the moment. Get but, a bit more. Yeah, but uh, but he's up there, so we, we, we've got to accept that these people are experts who do all this sort of stuff. But it got me thinking this morning. As much as I'm really happy for Millet, and I'm really happy for the game that we've produced this player who's gone on and done what he's doing at the moment, doesn't mean that our golden generation is, in fact, a one-man golden generation. because The current crop? Of the current crop. We've because, already had the golden one, haven't we? Yeah, Isn't that, that yeah, gone? Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking for an... I don't accept that we don't have another golden generation coming for a while. Sometimes the golden generation is a slow burn. Right. 
And I, I, I think, except for the Harry Kules and the Mark Vadukas from the last generation, uh, a lot of those guys were slow burns in that uh, Lucas Neal, it was only when he went from Millwall to Blackburn, and even a few years while at Blackburn did he start, you know, probably mid-20s where he started really showing that he's a top-class footballer. Timmy Cale was, a, you know, played at Millwall, wasn't always a star, the star of the team. It took him a while to get picked up by Everton, and then he just exploded. So, um, you know, Brett Emerton's another one. Lucas, Luke Wilkshire is a guy who got picked up by... Uh, Gus Hiddink in the 2006 World Cup basically picked him up from Bristol City in the second division or something like that. So these guys became really, really good players known throughout the world in their mid-20s and onwards. Mm. And uh, Miller's showing that at the moment. But I'm just wondering, do we accept that we are just a one-man golden generation or just a one-man generation? Well, I'm not sure that's going to be great for the game if it's just a one-man golden generation, well, Carlos. But I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I, you know, if you're asking my opinion, I think the Matthew Leckie is a guy that's doing well in the second division. The Bundesliga showed a lot of signs at the World Cup. I think he's one guy at 23 right now. He's got a lot of uh, room to move yep. by way his potential. Um, I still have faith in guys like Tommy Orr, who's doing well in Holland at the moment. There's talk of AX picking him up. Uh, and there's, you know, Matty Ryan, who's a 22, uh, one of the star goalkeepers in the Belgium uh, league, and, and they're talking about him throughout Europe. Uh, and there's a lot of other, these players who we're not regarding so highly right now, mm. but I think, you know, in their mid-20s and onwards, I think we'll see them really making a mark in Europe if they... You know, if they've got the talent and so forth, and I believe they have. Even though Jason Davidson is not getting a, a game at West Bromwich Albion at the moment, um, I, I, he's a 23, missed out on the pre-season before he went to that club, so he's behind the eight ball. But I just think uh, these guys in the right environment uh, will progress. And, uh, and you know, you never know. Who would have thought Mille Yedinak would have been International Asian Footballer of the Year, um, you know, talked in the, in, at the high levels that he's being talked about now. Mm. Everyone's respected him for a long time, but no one thought that he was going to be a star. And, uh, and that's why I'm sort of hanging my hat on that a little bit. Well, you can hang your hat on that. He's a fine player. He's a great leader as well, Midlay Yednak, and uh, well done to him on his award the other night. Kevin's in Port Melbourne. Uh, wants to talk a bit of FIFA stuff. G'day, Kev. Yeah, hi, guys. Um, before I start, I don't want to be flippant at all because I'm keeping uh, one eye on the uh, start of the Phil Hughes uh, ceremony. But I did uh, just see Michael Clark smiling with a few kids, so um, that's good to see. Yeah, hopefully a celebration of Philip's life. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it is, but obviously they're doing it tough. But anyway, um, Carlos, um, I don't know if you've been keeping uh, tabs on this, but I did want to just talk about the um, award for the goal of the year. Oh, uh, yep, the Pushkas Award. That's the one. Yep. So last year in the top ten, they combined, that's the only award they combined with men and women. Yep. Correct. For whatever reason. And last year, Lisa Devana made the top ten, which was fantastic. Yep. And this year, um, Timmy Cale was in the top ten, and his goal, as we all know, was fantastic. Yep. But he didn't make the uh, top three, which they announced yesterday. So the top three, um, not surprisingly, two of them are um, the Hammers and the um, Robin Van Persie goal from the, uh, from the World Cup as well. Yep. And I think Hammers won the goal of the World Cup, so... He's got to be the favourite. Yeah, you, you would. You would have thought. I, I sort of thought about the fact that you know why wasn't Timmy in that top three? I know, was, I know there's a woman also from Ireland. Was oh, that right, I Kevin? Thought he might be leaning towards that bit, Kev. Or is that? Don't you know why, Carlos? Why is that? Um, he's been edged out by the female goal. That's right. Yeah, but sorry, is she from Ireland? She that, certainly is. Yeah. Okay. And apparently she scored a cracker. It's an absolute beauty. You should go down the site and see it. Actually, you, you look at it. Um, look, as you'd say, it's in a pub competition, the <laughs> equivalent of the W League in Ireland. She's since moved on to France. But her goal is absolutely fantastic. I've tried to knock it and say whatever, 
And the only thing against it, and she may well win at the end of the day, the only thing against it is it's not, if it was a man's goal in a similar competition at a similar venue, there's no way you'd be saying you know, that we'd argue that it should be getting the goal over, say, Hamas. I've just had a look. It's fabulous. I've just had a look. Uh, it grabs it at the top of the box, uh, on the full right foot, kicks it to the left foot, lobs yeah. up to the left foot, back on to the round the body, facing yeah. away from goal, round yeah. the body, back in the top right corner. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. And it's it, very impressive. And, and Kev reckons it was a, what, a, pub, a pub league, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's a bit pub league. Yeah. Yeah. Does, she, does she look fit, though? Well, it's a, it's a, the camera's a long way away. <laughs> There's not a lot of close-up action going okay, on here, okay. Carlos, but I can tell you, uh, you can check it out at FIFA.com. It is a very, very impressive goal. Not quite as good as Timmy's. Yeah. Not quite as good as Timmy's. Oh, that is very bloody good. I'm just yeah, going to look at it again. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you during the break. Check it out. It's good. Carlos Alberto Diego with us till 2. Daniel's in height. G'day, Dan. Hey, guys. How you going? Good, good mate. Hey, just, um, I was just listening to you talk about uh, the golden era. I think sort of, you know, we rode that wave for so long. Um, it's sort of like what St Kilda did in sort of 2010, if you want to compare it to, to another sport. You know, you're sort of up, and we needed to be up to get that popularity around soccer. But, you know, the job description of the coaches was to make the World Cup. And mm. they did that, but they didn't blood sort of any new players. And, you know, now we're seeing, you know, the effect of that by, you know, Tommy Orr's and things like that, which probably are now getting an opportunity, but it's probably two or three years too late. So I don't think there's too much... You know, um, that we should be so shocked about that we're sort of two, three years behind the eight ball because we put so much time into that golden era to, to get the rewards. You know, and we did so well in the World Cup, but we didn't blood any players on the world stage. Yeah, the expectations are low uh, for the World Cup too, Daniel. So, I mean, if the guys uh, fought it out in games, which we saw, and uh, and they made a big fit, a good fist to some and put themselves in winning positions in, uh, against Holland, I mean, that would have been a fantastic result if we you know, hung on there. But... Uh, uh, you know, people have made a, a real judgment because I think generally, even though we didn't win a game during the World Cup, generally walked away from the World Cup with a positive frame of mind about what could happen. Mm-hmm. It's just these last friendly, this last six or seven friendlies that that uh, really have not only make us, made us uh, not feel all that confident about things, but also I think we're at 100. We've even gone down lower from last time I spoke to you. Half we were 94 last, 104 or something. I mean, we don't even play and we go down. So, uh, I mean, our rankings never been so low. But uh, but I just reckon uh, judge the team. I know it's hard to do, and I know I've been accused from eternal optimism on on the SMS and stuff like that, but judge the team on how they go in front of their own crowd uh, in a the, in the tournament where they reckon they can win. Maybe not everyone else can reckon they're going to win, but the team will reckon they can win it, uh, and judge them then, I reckon. Mm. Just judge and see how they go, because I think it's a tournament that means something. Uh, it's in, like in front of friends and family in the whole of Australia. Everyone's going to be focused on it. That's when you judge this team, I reckon. If they do poorly, then it's our. It, it, there's no question that we've got uh, some worries. But I'm willing to wait. Dan, stay on the line. You've got two tickets to the Jet Curry Melbourne Aces home series against Perth this Saturday at melbourneaces.com.au. Plus two beautiful Bataki Christmas hams. Do your wife a favour. Do somebody a favour this Christmas and pick up the ham at uh, Bataki First Quality Meats, Trawalla Avenue in Thomastown. What a wonderful little ham they are, the mighty Bataki hams. Carlos, um, Kevin Musket not happy about uh, the Melbourne Victory playing at North Sydney against Central Coast this week. Are you with him or against him? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in the old inner cell, we used to accept playing on football grounds because our you know, our so-called soccer grounds or our football grounds weren't uh, weren't up to it or whatever, or we needed a bigger a stadium, whatever. So we accepted the ovals, the cricket pitches in the middle. These days, we shouldn't accept it. Okay? Now, right. okay, 
this is Central Coast Mariners wanting to, you know, grow their market by bringing it there. Well, I think the, uh, the FFA should say no. Until you can get a proper stadium that has no cricket pitch in the middle of it, where you can play decent football, even the Adelaide Oval, which is a fantastic spectacle when the game was played between Adelaide and Melbourne there early in the season, the ground was as hard as a rock because it's, it's built for, at that time of the year, cricket. So, um, yeah, absolutely. The players should uh, – this is a really big issue. And if you don't kick up a fuss right now, the FFA will think they can do it all the time. And uh, I think the PFA and the players have got to stand up and say, we're never going to play on these grounds. Kevin Muskett, not happy. We'll see what happens with that. We'll go through this weekend's A-League action as well after the break. Carlos, with the makeup game tonight, it's a very drawn-out weekend of A-League action. We're Sydney and Brisbane tonight. Who wins that? Uh, we're Sydney. First win of the season. Right, okay. Yep. Tomorrow night, Sydney take on Perth Glory. This is 4v1 in Sydney. Yeah, I think Sydney FC, uh, I think they'll win at home. Yeah, uh, Perth, look, they've doing, done really well, but they're not on my radar at the moment because I'm not expecting them to, to last the distance, but they are at the moment. But I'll go for Sydney at home. North Sydney uh, disaster of the Central Coast <laughs> victory, victory, victory game. Victory on the skating rink. Victory on that one on the skating rink. Yep. Newcastle take on Wellington in Newcastle. I think Wellington's doing well at the moment. They'll win away from home. Adelaide host West Sydney. You have to back up. Ooh, good one. Uh, that's a draw. That's a draw. And Melbourne City hosting <laughs> Brisbane Raw. What's going to happen I'm here? I'm tipping them the win. It's a 20-pointer. It's oh, a 20-pointer. <laughs> City to win on Sunday. All the action live at 11.16 SEN. You can continue this discussion and even more so with the Fort Diego's tonight from 11 p.m. Carlos, that is it for you and I in 2014. Thanks for your help, mate. Have a great holiday, mate. I will do. Look forward to catching you in 2015.